Hi, good afternoon all. I hope you're well. So the following five how prices, that's what we're here to talk about, and who are the winners and losers within that? So the doom and gloom of the national newspaper headlines, as we're all seeing, is regarding the UK property market. And it would make you think Armageddon was coming, wouldn't it? Um, this being the second most interesting topic for Brits, along with the weather. So what is happening in the British property market? As with most things, is it life and death? Or is it death? the details, the devil in the detail even. <laughs> so QVT. So welcome to today's show, Falling Five Pound Prices, as I said. Um, today I've got on the show Erin Cunningham. How are you, Erin? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, very good. And I have Jimmy Mullen. How are you today, Jimmy? Yeah, good. I'll be good if I can get my laptop to work. But uh, yeah, on the phone and here. So looking forward to it. Fantastic. So I mentioned in the intro there about what's happening in the British property market. And it de definitely seems doom and gloom when you're looking at the headlines, doesn't it? But I think 2020 and 2021 were exceptional years for the UK property market, weren't they? I mean, what's your view on that, Jimmy? I mean, um, yeah, I think um, you just have to hear the stories of your friends or people down the pub or in the shops that I've sold recently to know it was fantastic years and, uh, and the numbers that were getting spoken about in terms of values. And in quarter four of 2020, quarter four being October, November and December combined, an average of 23,000 properties were sold per week in the UK. So that's sold as when the sale was agreed on the property and basically subjects subject to, to contract or concluded missives. Mm -hmm. um, in quarter four in 2021, an average of 21,000 properties were sold per week in the UK. Um, so by the end of week three in November 22, with an average of 19,000 600 properties per week becoming sole subject to subject to contract by quarter day the house and market doesn't look doesn't look good um <laughs> so they would have you believe when you look at it like that wouldn't it yeah um yeah a different story emerges from quarter four averages when you look at it from 2016 to 2019 i actually did a, a short video about this recently when i was looking at these numbers because just remind everybody by the end of week three in November 22, we're, we're at 19,600 properties sold subject to contract. If you're comparing that to quarter four in 2019, an average of 16,200 properties were sold per week. Quarter four, 2018, 15,900 properties sold per week. Quarter four of 2017, 15,700 mm -hmm. properties per week. And then quarter four in 2016, it was 15,800 properties per week. So there are at least 3,000 properties sold per week more in the UK than the times of 2019 to 2016 in quarter four. So mm -hmm. if you're thinking about selling, you have to realize that the mark, the buyers are still, <clears throat> still there. You just have to not compare it to the last two years because that's mm -hmm. been 
numbers that have not really been seen before. I think I have to agree with that, actually. And I think we it's like with everything in life, isn't it? You compare today with the most recent memory that you have. So you compare today with yesterday or last week or last month. You're not comparing year on year. And I think what we forget is actually when lockdown happened and we came out of lockdown, no one really knew what was going to happen with the property market. And I think we were all shocked and surprised about the uplift that came, weren't we? Um, certainly from our perspective, Erin, and we were super busy, weren't we? Um, literally phones ringing off the hook, weren't they? Yeah, it was immense, but it was. I mean, for me, I've only joined the property market for about two years now. So coming into that, I never had any further knowledge of what it used to be. It, it was kind of a new thing for us all. Mm -hmm. it, it certainly was a lot busier and what we see actually when we look back on it so when we talk you've kind of given some numbers there Jimmy we talk about that in the third week in November of present times 19,694 properties in that third week had gone under offer or concluding missives comparing that with 2020 at 23,071 that was quite an unusual occurrence wasn't it that was a peak in the property market that no one expected and it kind of all the doom mongers were saying about the property bust, weren't they? And actually it boomed in, in that year, didn't it? Yeah, we was getting, when lockdown first happened, I'm guessing it was around about that time, I can't remember, it seems a lot long ago. Um, we had a, a, a lot of calls from, mainly from people down south actually, English buyers calling us saying they want 15%, 20% off the asking price because the market's gonna crash um that was a common conversation it was happening obviously we told them to to beat it but um <laughs> in, in polite ways <laughs> yeah um but they went with the sale and then the property prices have risen since then so you actually make a really good point actually when you said that there were people calling saying i want 15 and 20 percent off but actually the reality was that people were paying 15 and 20 percent above weren't they i mean we were yeah. at a point where our, our average sale in certain locations within five were sitting at 18 and 20 percent over home reports we still had the odd one that was much much higher than that but it certainly stuck around that level for quite some time didn't it and i think that was a bit of a surprise to everybody yeah i mean as as we've discussed in several recent recent posts of the five property market in the blogs we do believe the price that Will be achieved in the five property market in the next 12 to 16 months will be around eight to 12 percent lower than what had been paid for property in the late spring of 2022 mm -hmm. but wouldn't use the word crash because as you just said perry people are still getting the 15 20 percent appreciation from the last two years so mm -hmm. you're probably still at a higher value than you were from the numbers that we're talking about in from 2016 to 2019. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think we saw that peak for 2020 and 2021. And really what's happening now is a bit of a normalization of the market really, and it's been caught up with itself and where it needs to be. But actually the reality of it is when you look at 2019 versus 2022, in 2019, it was 16,263. At the end of the third week in this month, it's at 19,694. So it's still nearly three and a half thousand more houses being sold than in 2019 in that yep. very short window of time in that three week window. So for me, actually, I think that adds a bit of perspective and it's not doom and gloom and there is high demand and there is a property market that's still thriving, isn't there? 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's taken a little bit longer to sell. They're normally, uh, normally does this time of year anyway, but in terms of buyers, and you just have to look at the numbers, as you said at the start, devil's in the detail, we're still selling more properties in the whole of the UK more than we did in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. So if you were to compare it to that, it's all got to be done in, in comparison and if you're going to tell people that you're actually in a market now selling now better than you were in those years, people won't probably believe it because they're only used to what's happened in the last 24 months. But yeah. that's this is going to sound strange, but that's not really a reality because that was a shock to everybody. It was very unprecedented, wasn't it? And I think that it's, it's absolutely right what we're talking about there and that the, the property market is only returned to how things were before lockdown, really, and the activity is still there and actually higher than it was there, which is, is quite a surprise. Um, we get a comment here just to say a couple, ha, ha, hello. So Lovely Even has come on and basically what they're saying to us is thanks for putting this into context, rebalancing the market is vital. Um, and it is really about rebalancing the market, isn't it? And I don't think we've seen any sustainable changes other than it just catching up with itself and actually continuing to grow from 19 into current day if you take those two year windows of unprecedented numbers out. For sure. It is certainly going back to a little bit of normality, I would say. I mean, we have been on quite a high for such lo for so long, but it's interesting because it does, does bring your attention why news like newspapers and all news use the phrase house price crash yeah <laughs> that's a question that i ask this daily why do they have to do that and make it so negative uh well they do that to sell more newspapers that's why they do that Erin, and get more audiences and more clickbait yeah. isn't it that's what it's pretty much about i mean we've discussed this as you say jimmy on many posts recently um, you know, five property market is, is obviously close to our heart. It's what we do. It's, it's in our, our DNA. It's our business. But we do believe that prices that will be achieved for five properties in the next 12 to 16 months will still be around between 8 and 12% lower than the peaks that we've seen in 20 and 21. However, the value of everybody's property has gone up. Um, and since the late spring of 22, the property values have gone up. So actually, the knock-on effect to you is that whatever you lose out on, you, you you benefit from going forward. So it doesn't actually have a negative impact on anyone, does it? What's your no, thoughts I on that? Say, if you, if you're, what I would say to people is if they're considering selling and like I would say most people um, have to sell to buy, as long as you're buying and selling in the same market, if it got, if the price inflates goes up 20% or comes down 20%. As long as you're buying and selling in the same market, it will just be, you'll just be transferring your mortgage and your deposit to, to a different property. So it's not going to affect you so much mm -hmm. if you're going in a time where you're going to rent for 12 months or not quite sure, then you will probably have to be a bit more savvy. But if you're looking to move and buy straight away, then it doesn't matter what the market's doing. You're just going to be going from one market to the other if it drops out. If it drops 15% in five, it's probably going to drop 15% in Edinburgh, Glasgow, England, or wherever it may be. So you got to look at it in transparency and take it into context. Yeah, it's certainly when you see the increase in the difference in values over the last two years as well. Actually, it's a win-win for anybody, isn't it? Because someone selling and buying now is still benefiting from those increases in that two-year window. So 
notice how we haven't used the word crash <laughs> in regards to, to what's going on, because that certainly is the headlines that we constantly see, isn't it? But Erin, you're right when you said about why do newspapers use the, the phrase house price crash? And the answer is, as we said, it's selling with newspapers, it's Sky News, it's everyone is the same, isn't it? And if you include the time, the policies and efforts that the pol political parties as well um, go to in order to keep British house prices on an upward trajectory, um, to gain votes, which is all it's about as well, it's all about their popularity, isn't it? And they believe that the fallen house prices will be catastrophic, but that's only because they're associating it with themselves and their own benefit and their other agenda. I think that all we can do is look at it as really, there couldn't be anything further from the truth, isn't there? Um, for most homeowners and five landlords, they are actually benefiting over the last two years in the way that the property has changed. And indeed, indeed, when you look at the house prices without any emotion attached to it, if you look at house prices falling, perhaps in isolation, um, more people will win than lose, won't they, at the end of the day? It just goes back to what you said, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. They're exactly right. Um, and people will be thinking, who wins when, when the house prices drop? But let's say you own a two-bedroom home in Fife, and it's worth 150000 You have an expanding family, and you need a third bedroom. The third bedroom in Fife you want is 210, meaning you need to find 60000 to trade up. If the house price, house Fife prices rose by 10%, get the champagne on ice for as your five two-bedroom home is now going to be worth 165. Mm -hmm. Mind you, before you open the fears, remember that your free bed you want has also risen 10%, meaning that that's now worth 231,000. If you want to trade up, needing to find 66,000. So going up for the people looking to upsize, it makes it more tricky. Whereas if it's coming down, it would be a lot more feasible. Mm -hmm. There's certainly a, a knock-on effect, but it tends to run through the chain. Um, oh, we have a little guest. I'm just going <laughs> to. This is his early morning show of Let Me See the Blue Sky. <laughs> Hello, no, Mr. Really. from Jamaica. This is, this is the very fact that I'm, I need to do a live for today, and I've just got up, and you guys are on right now. I'm five hours behind. It's about eight o'clock right now. Um, so I thought I'll get my live done now, and that'll be it for the rest of the day. <laughs> you can chill by the pool then. Right, go on then. Do the obligatory Let Us See the Pool in the Blue Sky. <laughs> there you go. Pool and blue sky. Nice and roasty toasty here. It's been a monsoon last night, by the way. Uh, but it's all dried up for the day. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's crack on. Right, where are we right now? Yeah, so where we were, Jim, we were just talking about the question of who wins if the house prices drop. And we were giving examples of where actually the knock-on effect in if your price has increased, the place you buy increases. And it's really a win-win for everybody in, in yeah. regards to how you benefit. Um, so we're at really the point where we're talking about, you know, five house prices rising technically has cost you an additional £6,000 mm. when you're buying and moving on. And if you're upgrading, the, the bigger benefit, I guess, is to the people who are not upsizing. Well, on the other side of the coin, what happens if they fall by 10 grand? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was saying if they risk by 10% on a... But there's 150,000 houses would now be worth 165, 210 would now be worth 231. So that's basically a six six thousand pounds differential on the on the person having to upsize. But yeah, on the other side of the coin, if it fell by 10%, as you said, your two bedroom home is now worth 
135,000. Yet wait, the, the three bedroom home you want to move to is now worth 189. If it broke mm. from the difference of 10% going up to 10% coming down, meaning that you only need to find 54,000. So if they go up, this one to 66, if it comes down by 10%, it comes down to 54. So you're actually 12,000 pounds better off, not 6,000 pounds better off, if that makes sense to people out there. Absolute sense. Um, but then you've got an additional on that. You've got to look at land and bills, land and building transaction tax, solicitor fees, our fees, and that's all got to be accounted for. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, you know, just this morning released that the Bank of England actually doesn't expect inflation to be as 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 much as next year as what they expected. This is just out this morning. This is the Bank of England. Um, so what does that say about the five housing market and where that's going to go, and even the whole UK economy in terms of the housing market? Um, so they don't expect that. They do they do expect further interest rate rises, possibly at the markets um, 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 braced for a point a point a half a percent point in December. Um, I've got a sneaking suspicion they're not going to do it um, because mm -hmm. of what they just spoke about this morning, and they'll maybe uh, delay it till next year. Um, mm -hmm. So that might the, the market's really strong right now in terms of the FTSE. The markets, uh, even Europe, uh, actually uh, their inflation isn't as high as they're expecting, um, and they expect uh, gas prices to actually stabilise by uh, September next year. Um, so this is all a knock-on effect to here in terms of the house prices and the housing market, because obviously interest rates and base rates actually drive the mortgage rates, which drive the housing market as well, because it's the ability to borrow. Um, so it'll be interesting times ahead. Uh, you know, again, it's coming back. If that is the case and what they're talking about this morning, um, this uh, so-called, uh, oh, it's all going to fall apart, um, is, is possibly not going to happen. And we're going to see ourselves in a situation where we'll have a really stable market and it will be a steady growth over a, over a longer period of time, which is what everybody really wants. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were discussing earlier in the show, Jim. If people need to take the market now and not necessarily compare it to the last few years because it's been such a boom. If you can compare it to markets from 2016 to 2019 where people said the market was good, yeah. we're still better than the market was then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. And we were just talking about perspective there and just a couple of people that have put some mentions here. So. Dave Sleep makes a good point. He says, media thrive on instability, fear, and their own agenda. Five Properties TV have consistently shown a light on their reality. So thank you to the whole team. Thank you, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, Angela, just for your benefit, actually, Jim, is saying, we've had freezing fog here, Jim. Enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll get it at the weekend when I come back. You will. Um, but you're, you're, what we're talking about there, I mean, the reality is, is over seven out of 10 home movers move up the property ladder. Falling house prices are not necessarily a problem for them. Falling house prices mm -hmm. are great for those who want to move up the property ladder and trade up. So we've kind of shown why that is. So who loses when house prices drop would be the question, Jimmy. Um, the first set of people that will lose out are homeowners moving down the market. The gap between selling a larger home and buying a smaller one narrows when one moves down the market. Given the massive growth in house prices over many decades, those homeowners have a property, been in the property market. It's tough to see this calamity, yet certainly certainty of loss. Mm -hmm. The second set of people that will lose out are beneficiaries of 
their home being sold when a parent or grandparent unfortunately passes away because obviously they would have probably bought it many years ago as i said just before mm -hmm. but if we're honest i believe there will be a little sympathy in the broader community for those first two sets of people for their for their loss of money however the most exposed and many people will sympathize with these are those first-time buyers who built their first homes have a smaller deposit if you had just bought your first home for 200,000 with a 5% deposit, so you had a 190,000 pound mortgage, but house, five house prices dropped by 10%, you now own a home worth 180,000 less than your mortgage. So that's mm -hmm. going to be, and their payments are going to be, you have to be there for a number of years to, to level that up. It's true now though, but when you, think, when you think about it though, the average person generally moves every seven years. So again, we've talked about this previously, haven't we? Unless you really are buying and selling very quickly, it should have no effect whatsoever, really, is what the numbers are telling us, aren't they, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I, I keep going back to my personal example, where I bought the house for 260, spent 100 grand on it, immediately it dropped by three by 60,000 pounds when the, the 2007 um, crash came in and it was back down to 300,000 so I spent 360 overall buying it and refurbing it um, but today it's about 450 because uh, I never moved it, it made no difference so uh, and and the fact that I've bought my next house um, last year um, has locked in that gain so everything I make on this one is actually a proper gain and it's not a like for like exchange anymore because I bought my next house already and I just bought it and rented it um, for now, until we're ready to downsize it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a good strategy to have if you're in a position to do that. Yeah. But also, though, we talk about those people, that two cohorts of, of people and the two examples you've given there, Jimmy, of people potentially losing out. Did they really lose out, though? Because if, if that group of people who are been in their houses for 40 years, they haven't really lost anything. It's still a win-win because actually the comparable of what they paid for it and the amount that it's increased throughout the time actually they didn't lose anything and it's still a stronger position than it was in 2019 so the only part they're losing out of is that little bubble in 2022 but actually if they lost 10 percent, it's still 10 percent of that bubble price it's not 10 percent of the 19 price so in theory actually they're still vastly better off aren't they yeah i'd agree um i'd agree with you Barry. Uh, if i was going back to what i was saying about um the house prices drop in, um, and now the mortgage one hundred ninety thousand, um, but the prices drop by ten percent, and they'll, the house is now worth one hundred eighty. They would then become into negative equity, which causes two main problems. Firstly, when you're in a fixed rate deal ends, most of the time it's wise to remortgage to another rate. However, when you have a negative equity, the range of mortgage deal open to you will be minimal. So you will probably have to pay your bank or building society quite a pricey standard variable rate. Yeah, and I've got a landlord like that just now. He's 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 still his price is still not appreciated because he's never invested reinvested back in his stock uh, since the crash in two thousand and seven. Therefore, he's sitting with most of them in negative equity because he has to get a loan to value twenty five percent of sorry seventy five percent. Um, now, when he took them out, the loan to value at that time, we were getting them at 80% and 90%. Um, 
So therefore, when he's taking them out, they're sitting at ninety percent, but they've not recovered to that level because he's not reinvested in the stock. Therefore, he's sitting in negative equity. Every single one of his mortgages are on variable rate. Oh my goodness! Uh, so I'm sitting down with him next week in order to work out a plan in order for him to get through this and actually um, uh, weather the storm. Um, and that's uh, that's thirty-three properties. When you think wow. about it, um, so yeah, you can be in that you can be in that situation. I mean, I had I have been stuck in that myself. You know, when we had the credit crunch and the downvalued and the price of the house, um, nobody would let us move to a different mortgage product, uh, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I had all that equity and other properties that we had. Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't let us move because they said we don't want to touch property. Um, we're nervous. It's a market where it's too volatile just now. So see how it's important to stabilise the property market and how it's important for mainstream lending because then that has a knock-on effect of they're doing that with everybody to everybody else in the mortgage market itself and the bank's overall liquidity and lending. Um, mm-hmm. So that has a huge impact. So this is why it's important to stabilise the property market and make sure it's looked after. And this is why the government will do everything in their power to ensure the property market is stabilised because they don't want another situation as before. So come hell or high water, if next year was going to turn out in the worst case scenario, the government still sort of have some strategy up their sleeve in order to maintain the stability in the property market. That's my total belief in this, because they don't want the repercussion of what happened before. Neither do the banks or, or the UK economy overall. No, I don't so think that's secondly, it. What, so secondly, Jimmy, what's the second one out of this then? Secondly, suppose you want to sell your five home. In that case, the price you will achieve will not pay off your mortgage, which means yeah. you will have to find difference elsewhere, like borrowing yeah. from your family or selling assets like cars, watches, or whatever it may be. And in a nutshell, it makes moving very difficult. So, I mean, I mean, people are actually going to be drawn into negative equity if the house prices drop by ten percent. That's the question. So, what, yeah. what's your thoughts on that? Well. According to the Register of Scotland, I believe the house prices have gone up by about 8% last year and about 8% the year before that. So they've got the 16% uplift on the last two years. So unless you've bought yeah. really recently, I don't think you ever will have to worry about that. But if you're also bought now and you've made improvements to the home, you probably could still be okay as well. So I think there'll be a very small majority of people that might might fall into that category, but I think it would be yeah, a very unlikely. Perry, what's your thoughts on that? What sort of percentage do you think? I mean, for me, it will be a small minority. Um, I mean, what we're looking at and what we have seen is it's going to be just about 2.9% of homeowners will be in negative yeah. equity if the house prices drop by 10%. And that's a very small pond. And we're, this is UK-wide we're talking as well. So the impact in Fife should be minimal, we would like to think, because we tend to have yeah. a stable market. Um, now, of course, if you're one of the ones that are at that 2.9%, that will be challenging for people. Um, yet the vast majority, as I say, will, of those will be first-time buyers who've only been in their home for maybe a year or less, certainly within that two-year yeah. window when the boom was there. Um, so the most first-time buyers, as I say, if they've only moved in a short period of time, the chances are that they're not going to move into their second home within maybe four or six years is what we generally see. Um, Absolutely. So actually, will it impact them? Possibly not. Will the market stabilise over the next 12 to 16 months? Yes, because we're not really seeing a negative impact as such at this time. Um, so, you know, they'll be on fixed rates as well. So they'll have a fixed rate mortgage. The worst case scenario, they'll have a fixed rate for two years. Most people, if they were savvy and got good advice from their advisor, were probably on a five-year deal. So actually, if they stay there, 
with their fixed five-year mortgage in the time span that the average person is four or five years, remortgage won't actually be an issue for them because they're not going to yeah. be needing to do anything until such times as they move in four years' time anyway. So that doesn't really mean that it's going to affect five properties market at all. And, and most of these people have actually been stress tested at about 7% level anyway. Mm -hmm. So even though they're sitting on a variable rate and the variable rates round about the now are round about 6%, 6.5, mm -hmm. um, still, it's still going to be tolerable because if you move base rates up point half a percent, then you're taking it from 6.5 to 7 in terms mm -hmm. of stress testing and the variable rate as well. So all these people are still stress tested at, these, at that level. I, I mean, even though the banks don't need to do it anymore and it was taken away last year, and yeah. it has been done since 2014, and the banks are still continuing to do it just to make sure the liquidity is right. So that there's a bit, of, I say, there's a bit of responsibility from the banks. Uh, do you know what I was just like, going to say? I, I never thought, I, never thought I would say that. <laughs> I was just going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, I never Even thought I would actually hear me, hear me saying do. that the banks would be responsible. Yeah, um, exactly. It's not a must-do thing, but I think responsible lending has to come into play because no one can afford a repeat of what happened before. So I think that it makes yeah. sense that they would continue to do it, even though it's not a must. But, you know, we've, we've talked about that. So if house prices drop by 10% in the next 12 months and five, that would only bring us back to the house prices being achieved in July 2021, which is what we were saying earlier on. You know, it's, it's not massively different, is it? Which is effectively just last year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and even at that point, people will still have benefited from an uplift. So, for property stats fans, the average house price in Fife today is a hundred and that would be you and you and you and Erin and Jimmy and me. Um, the average house price in Fife today is one hundred and seventy-three thousand one hundred and ninety-three. Plus, back in July twenty twenty-one, it was one hundred and fifty-four thousand nine hundred and forty-eight. So, actually. <laughs> There's an £18,000 uplift. So even if it dropped by 10% over the next year, you would still be in a better position than you were now. <laughs> yeah, and what would, what would it be if they dropped by the same percentage then, the 19% as it did in the credit crunch? What would be the implications? So if house prices dropped by the same percentage as they fell in the credit crunch in five, that would only bring us back to the house prices being achieved in September of 2020. Then, then why are we all getting worried about this? <laughs> this is exactly what why? we're saying. It's a doom and gloom. Yeah. I think it's what people need to realise as well. Is in 2020, 2019, no one was, no one was complaining about those numbers on the values. Yeah, absolutely. I think, though, we need to get back to what the real problem with falling house prices is, though. And when the country's house prices fall, it tends to correspond with more challenging economic times. I mean, you touched on that, Jim. Um, because of rising interest rates, inflation, the price people are paying for a five property is lower than one would have paid in the spring. Um, when you were biggest, you were bidding, really, against multiple offers um, and had to pay top dollar to secure properties. Um, having said that, actually, that still does happen in some instances, depending on what it is and where it is. But... During times of falling house prices, that can start to negatively affect the broader British economy. Um, for some yeah. strange reason, homeowners tend to spend less because they feel, and this is about how you feel, it's all emotive, we talk about that often, don't we, but they feel less well off because the value of their home has dropped, which is really just a kind of a state, it's not a fact necessarily. And few, fewer people will move, meaning there is less choice for people to buy. Um, lenders start mm -hmm. to be keener about who they're going to lend to, 
um, and they become nervous about any kind of potential arrears or bad debt, um, bad debt building up. And it goes back to that stress thing that we're talking about, stress testing, Jim, and the fact that perhaps it's not there, but people will still be responsible, won't they? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, 2023 will be challenging time for many five families, yet as we go into recession, the share of homeowners exposed to the fallen house prices is smaller than the 2008 credit crunch. Mm. And again, that's a, that's what people don't realise. So where's all this doom and gloom coming from? It's like, it's going to be the worst ever. I mean, you've got people like Robert Kiyosaki on, you've got people like, you know, some really uh, high-profile property gurus and investors. Uh, yeah, all this, and, and this turmoil and everything. And I think, are they just stirring it up so they can take advantage of this themselves? Is this a, is there a hidden agenda behind this? You know, George Soros did this in, 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 in the time at the pound was... Uh, most people won't know who George Soros is. He's a big, huge hedge fund manager, hedge fund manager, uh, hedge fund manager. Oh, I'll put my teeth back in. Hedge <laughs> I fund manager, yeah. Um, and what he did was he he bet against the pound, um, and the, when the exchange rate mechanism was, was going round. But he was deliberately manipulating the market in order to, for that to happen. And he knew fine that the Chancellor was actually going to sell off the gold, all the gold reserves. And he knew it was going to go his way. He made $300 million in one day. My goodness. Because of that. And this is, this is where the agenda comes in of when you hear somebody talking down the economy, uh, you have to think to yourself, and, and quite rightly talking up the economy, you have to think to yourself, why are they actually doing that? What have they got to gain by putting out this message? I mean, you know, it's exactly what we are doing right here. What have we got to gain? We've got to gain stability in the housing market and make people understand based on facts, remember. These are facts, not opinions. Um, based on facts, uh, the market will be quite stable. And that's what we do. Uh, that's the whole point of it. But then you've got to look at all these gurus out there, or these self-imposed gurus, which are called furus, in other words, fake gurus, um, uh, about, you know, what is their agenda? Where are they coming from and why are they coming for, for that reason? Uh, that's that's what I would say to everybody out there listening in and actually watching as well, is be careful where you take your advice from because you've got to understand what their agenda is and are they looking at all the facts over the whole market and taking into account things that don't support their opinion and things that do support their opinion at the same time, which is exactly what we're doing here right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we talk about that, we talk about 2023, will it be challenging for five families? Um, you know, the share of homeowners exposed to fallen house prices is smaller than in 20, 2008, um, credit crunch. But Erin, there's kind of mm -hmm. like three areas really that we think it would be impacting. Do you want to, do you have a view on that? Yeah, so, I mean, if we're looking at, if we're going back to the statistics, 92% of new mortgages taken out in the last four years have been fixed rate mortgages compared to 63% in the years wow. before the credit crunch. And then again, into, sorry? No, that's a big difference. God, yeah, it is. And in 2008, well, about 45% of existing mortgages were 4% above the base rate. And today that's only two point, roughly about 2.1%. So going into the credit crunch, the average mortgage rate for homeowners was on 5.8%, whilst the average rate existence, the, the average rate existing mortgaged homeowners today are on 2.1%, 2.17%. I rest my case. <laughs> the stats, so anybody out there, please listen to these statistics. We'll say this again for the benefit of everybody, because it's really important. 92% of new mortgages taken out in the last four years have been fixed rate mortgages which means people are hedged against any increases in the short term 
Um, mm-hmm. 2008, 45% of existing mortgages were 4% above the base rate, and today it's only 2.1. And and then, uh, you know, as you said, Aaron, going into the credit crunch, you know, the average mortgage rate, um, they were on 5.88, which is because most people were on variable rates and they were on tracker rates. That's the reason for that. And they weren't really on the fixed rates like we'd just spoken about before. In other words, um, 63% were on uh, fixed rates going into the, more, uh, the credit crunch. But then that means that roughly about 37% uh, weren't on fixed rates. And that's the ones that were going with 5.88 and causing this volatility in the market. Whilst the average rate of existing mortgaged uh, homeowners um, on the fixed rate is actually at 2.17. Jeez. I mean, I, I wish I could get that rate. It's like, that sounds really good, I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, but also what I, what what a lot of people don't realise is a huge amount of equity built up in people's properties. Therefore, they're getting better lending rates because there's no risk involved in case of dramatic drops from the banks, and that's why they're able to give them lower rates because the loan to value is a lot less. In other words, if you've got a loan to value, it, a loan to value, in other words, your mortgage is ninety percent of your property price. Um, the banks say, okay, if there's a swing at 15%, for example, in the property price, then in negative equity. So that's us taking a big risk. Therefore, the interest rate is maybe going to be about 5.5%. Um, however, if you've got a huge amount of equity in your property and then and, and it's maybe 60% loan to value because 60% is part of the mortgage and the 40% is equity, which is you've got a built up in the property with increases over the years. I'm speaking 100 miles an hour, am I? <laughs> Over the years, yeah, because I'm getting excited about this, excited. The, the numbers. Yeah, but, that's, but I, I, this is where I see it, though. That's why I'm getting so excited, because the market's not as doom and gloom as everybody thinks, and they don't realise. That's why I went and bought another 20 properties last year, because it's like, geez, I could see this only going one way, uh, if anything. Uh, and I don't see what everybody else sees. Um, I see something completely, a completely different picture. But I did that going into the pandemic as well. You know, everybody says it's going to crash, it's going to tank, and it's like it's no. There's no evidence to suggest that this is exactly the same process we're doing right now. So I don't see it. I don't see all these volatility, especially with these messages coming out this morning from the Bank of England and the Economists, and also uh, uh, you know everybody else right across Europe as well. So it's not going to be as doom and gloom as we've seen. Therefore, that it has a beneficial effect to the the, the market itself. So if you look at that, uh, the loan to value at sixty percent means that you've got less risk because if the property price drops by twenty percent, for example, there's still a loan to value of say eight to twenty. So the bank's still hedged. The, the, the liquidity is still there because if you sell then you've got enough money to pay off your mortgage that's how they look at it therefore guess what they give you a lower rate and it's the reason why they've now got an average fixed rate mortgage um, just right now um, going in at 2.17 percent because because prices and everybody can talk about prices going up a meteoric rise over the over um over the the short term but if you look over the longer term from the credit crunch it's not that big a rise in the last 20 years property prices have only gone up 170 percent in the last 20 years now everybody says the double every 20 years or every, some people out there actually say property prices double every 10 years but when you think about it, it's only 170 percent over the last 20 years that's just quite stable in terms of what everybody predicts all the time and forecasts and mm-hmm. in, in reality and in, inflation's gone up to match that by 70 percent so in real terms property prices have gone up 100 percent they've literally just doubled in 20 years when everybody says it should be 10 years <laughs> therefore it's taken a lot longer time to do that therefore there should be more stability and more it, it goes up at a steady pace rather than a meteorite rise so oh my 
I think it was maybe my dad used to say it myself all the time. Easy come, easy go. Um, you know, get rich quick, make losses quick. You know, an easy, steady, slowly progress up towards a, an adequate a, an adequate market, adequate property price is the best way forward. Look at the 173,000 you talked about just now, Perry. Mm -hmm. What is the average? What is the average salary? Just just let's just say 30,000 for easy easy reason. I know mm -hmm. it's a wee bit more than that. So the average salary is 30,000. Even at 180,000, okay, it's only six times the average salary. And yeah. that is very tolerable in terms of an economic uh, model, in terms of what the property prices are. And we've yeah. still got recordable interest rates in comparison to what it was in the credit crunch as well. The credit crunch, the average price to, to the average salary, was round about nine or ten times. Mm -hmm. So again, what does that tell you? There's a huge margin in there for five mm -hmm. property prices anyway. Massively so. I mean, ultimately, unemployment is the main factor of whether this goes from being a possibly benign, slow 10% decline um, to a full-scale crash, isn't it? Um, what's your thoughts on that, Jimmy? I mean, if homeowners keep their jobs, they will keep paying their mortgages. However, yeah. as in 1988 and 2008, house price crash crashes, if people lose their jobs, mortgages don't get paid. Um, and that is when repossessions increase and forced selling starts to take effect. Um, no, it won't. And no, it won't because the Bank of England, will, the, the government will step in at that point. Did in the credit crunch, they said you'll have to give people holiday mortgages. You'll have to, you'll have to weather that storm because they cannot afford to take that crash. That's the no. whole point. They can't see the same thing happen again. It is, it is unthinkable. Therefore, I know they will step in at some point in time. And if they don't, we are where we are and we are where we were before. And exactly. we'll still be better off than we were before. Yeah, I agree. And if you, however, if you look at the autumn statement, the government have learned the, the lesson of previous generations, which I'm just saying right now, Jim, and vastly improved the safety and net contributing of to people's mortgages. Should someone become unemployed at the moment, at the moment, homeowners must wait 39 weeks before the government will help pay the mortgage, thus increasing their chances of repossession. This will be reduced to 12 weeks in the spring, reduced to mortgage repossession later in the 2023 and 2024. Yeah. So exactly what you said. Yeah, when you go back to what you said, though, as well, Jim, absolutely someone would step in and help with them and make sure that people do have roofs over their heads because no one, it's in no one's interest for that to happen. But also, if you think when we went into lockdown, um, at the start of kind of when lockdown happens, I was in the financial sector. And in when I was in that industry, there was so much help was given to people who perhaps had been furloughed, et cetera, to, you know, payment breaks, not just on their mortgages, but payment breaks on other lending that they may have had as well. So absolutely, yeah. it just can't happen. And the government, I don't think, will, will allow it to happen because all it does is destabilise things further, which nobody wants. Yeah, absolutely. So so, Perry, where does that, where does that leave us? I think where we are, I mean, we should be less keen to celebrate house price booms um, throughout mm -hmm. the good times because the usual house price crashes tend to worsen the bad times, don't they? <laughs> I think yeah. that's it. And the great thing, the great thing is, Perry, we have actually what I said a couple of years ago. We have now become to a realignment of the prices of where they should be right now in terms of Fife, not where the, because they were way, way undervalued in comparison to the rest of the UK and mm -hmm. in comparison to Scotland as well. And um, so all we've done is house prices have come up to the natural 
price point of where they should be six times your salary. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we're at a natural stabilisation of where Fife needs to be in regards to, to property, and we've caught up really with the rest of the UK, as you say. But um, in its place, we should concentrate on what British society can do to obtain a more stable property market over time. I think that's crucial as well. Um, but, you know, in, in regards to that, we've touched a little bit on what our feelings are and how the government would support people on that. But, I mean, that's a whole new topic for another show. But what, yeah. what is your the fact that we will be stable and actually we just need to dig in and, and see things through? You cut out there, Perry. Jim, what's your, what's your thoughts on in, in where we uh, are at the moment in that stability and seeing things through? Uh, as I said before, and I've said right through at this show, um, and the fact that, you know, the, the numbers uh, are right in front of me. The indicators are out there in terms of what the Bank of England said this morning. Uh, the Europe is not, its forecast and inflation is not going to be as bad as they think as well. So hence the reason why the FTSE has actually increased around about 7,500 points. Mm -hmm. Now, I could kick myself. I should have brought. It, I should have bought again at six nine uh, because I have tracker pensions. Um, but I, I was actually hoping it would go down to six thousand. Um, uh, you know, from my own selfish point of view, but it hasn't. Uh, and so it's what it is. Um, but the great thing is, the great message out of that is the market is very stable. The pound against the dollar has actually uh, benefited by uh, at one point two just now in exchange rate, and that's where it was before the disastrous mini budget. So again, the pound stabilised against the dollar. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of and dare I say the word happy days. Um, we're we're back to we're back to some we're back to stability, um, and that's what people want. Yeah. So, what's your final thoughts on this then, Erin? Yeah. So the house price has been achieved in late 2021, early 22, and Fife will be a distant memory in a year's time. Yet for most people, that's not really a bad thing. 2023 may be a challenging year, but don't let the price paid for your property by, what, 3.5% of the UK population? Don't let that kind of be the effect in your outlook as a, as a homeowner and as a, as a landlord, really. Yeah. Especially landlords out there as well. You know, it's important that we realise that landlords, landlords are a bit squeezed just now. Obviously, they've got the rent freeze, um, but, but we are actually allowed to increase the rent in between tenancies. So we have a change over tenant, we can't increase. I think the rent freeze is here to stay. Um, I, I, because it's not really going to affect anybody because it's very rare that a landlord actually increases the rent when a tenant's in situ. It's very, very rare. Um, so I think they're going to keep the rent freeze in place permanently um, all the time uh, based on the rules that's just 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 now. And in order for the Scottish government, and, and especially Patrick Harvey, to see face and the fact that it's just a it's just a total botch up what they've done, um, but in reality, it's, it's a bit of toothless legislation. Again, we're back to landlord registration, exactly the same thing. Toothless, toothless legislation. Uh, you'd be lucky if I could count on one hand how many landlords in Scotland have been prosecuted under landlord registration um, or struck off the register. It's probably less than one hand, and yet that's been going round about fifteen years now. Um, so it's a it's a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Um, so I definitely think we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. Jimmy, what's your final thoughts on this? Um, my final thoughts would be, if you're out there considering moving or need help or advice, just get the facts first. Um, because I think once you get the numbers in front of you, you'll be, you'll be surprised and be able to make a, a more informed decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of have a similar view, to, to be honest, that my final thoughts are that 
the market is stabilised. We're in a stronger position than we've been in comparison to two years and many years before that. Um, it would need to see a really drastic change for this to impact anybody. So for me, equip yourself with the facts, take your situation into account, know what your journey is and make a decision on what your journey is, not what you're hearing on the media, etc. And if you do have questions or concerns, totally feel free to reach out to ourselves. We can certainly point you in the right direction. Um, we're not experts in financial advice and things like that, but we can point you in the direction of people that maybe can help you with that as well. But certainly feel free to reach out more than interested and uh, it informs us as well as you. Jim, what's your most final people, thoughts on it? Most people out there panic. The, the emotional side of their brain kicks in straight away and they can't see the forest for the trees. It often takes someone like ourselves actually to sit down with them and sit and look at the bigger picture and actually say to them, well, that looks okay, that's fine, that's fine. All you need to do is sort this bit out and we've got the person for that. It's as simple as that It's on most occasions. So I don't think anybody should despair. And if they do have a problem, don't be afraid to actually reach out and actually say something to us and actually ask for help. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. When I started this off, it wasn't about, we don't have a tagline which says, we'll sell your house at any time, at any point, just because that's what we want to do. Um, what we've got in our tagline is actually helping you manage life as it happens. And I've had that for the last since the very start, since the very beginning, because it's helping people manage life as it happens. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we're needing to do. So anybody out there, it feels uh, they they need a bit of advice and they need a bit of support and they need uh, advice on anything. Remember, we've done loads and loads of shows on the cost of living crisis as well, how to demonstrate clearly how you can save £1,500 a month um, and what you're doing right now for the people that are actually doing all these things. But even if you save a couple of hundred pounds a month, that's a couple of hundred pounds towards your utility bills, it's a couple of hundred pounds towards your extra mortgage payments, it's a couple of hundred pounds that you might be actually be able to benefit from spending on Christmas. Um, so there's always help out there, there's always support out there. You've never gone, you've probably more than likely never gone through something that I've not gone through already. Yeah. So on that note, thank you guys for joining the show today. And if you're out there and you're watching or listening to this later on, if you are interested, would like some further information, reach out to us direct, or you can visit our YouTube channels, our websites. We've got lots of really helpful articles and tips that can guide you on maybe your questions. And if they can't, we're here. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Take care. Bye. Have a great day, Perfect. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.